Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Oh, yes. Hello, my friends, and welcome to this, another edition of the Underdog Football Show. <laughs> my name is Josh Norris. His name is Hayden Winks. Hayden, we were talking for about a minute before we hit live. Thanks, everyone, for being here live on YouTube. We'll be here after every single 4 p.m. slate from here on out for the rest of the season. Uh, Hayden, it feels like I know everything that happened and nothing that happened at the exact same time. What about you? Week one hits super hard. And you're just like trying to fil- filter out as many hot takes as you can on Twitter. The overreaction season is here, um, but we'll try to keep it somewhat serious on here. Yeah, we're going to react to everything from today. We watched eight games in total combined. We're going to hit in some rapid fire of the other contests as well. React, not overreact in some ways, because I think, Cade, we learn a lot in week one. Try to, you know, diagnose and find the truth in those, but also not claim that this is how everything's going to happen for the rest of the season. So let's do that. Let's start off with the Cleveland Browns going off on a big early lead against the Kansas City Chiefs, but ultimately Patrick Mahomes, Tyreek Hill, and everyone was just too much to beat 33 to 29 the Chiefs win at home Hayden I believe I saw that this was Patrick Mahomes' 10th comeback win of 10 plus points in his career we outlined this a little bit and I want to get into more of the details Baker Mayfield and the Browns were absolutely dominant for portions of this game we're up 22 to 10 at halftime yet there's this wave that once it starts of Patrick Mahomes that unless you can slow him down, it's going to be so difficult to match him throw by throw. And in the end, Baker Mayfield just couldn't do that with Patrick Mahomes. The Browns are good enough top to bottom their entire roster to beat the Chiefs on any given Sunday, but they have to play their perfect game. And they did that like for most of the game, but there was about four or five big plays that ended up costing them the game. And like you said, Patrick Mahomes is, I think, statistically the best quarterback of all time while trailing like his EPA per drop back in those situations is beyond stupid. And tra- Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill just ended up coming through for him. They didn't get much out of Nicole Hardman. They didn't get much out of Clyde Edwards Hilaire. Demarcus Robinson didn't st- stand up. But when you have Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey and Patrick Mahomes, you can o- overcome those mistakes. And some of the biggest mistakes real quick that the Browns made um, right away their One of their starting safeties pushed one of the chiefs coaches and got ejected. Highly don't recommend uh, you're starting safety pushing a coach and getting ejected when you're facing Tyreek Hill because Tyreek Hill ended up getting deep downfield later in the game. They had a Nick Chubb fumble late in the game. There was a, a botched punt that gave the Chiefs beautiful field position. And then Baker Mayfield th- threw this uh, basically game-clinching interception when he's trying to throw the ball, ball away when he got uh, tripped up. So you can't make those mistakes. Other than that, though, the Browns looked really good. Just the Chiefs are just – they're amazing. And we even had some news prior to this game even starting with Odell Beckham. I'll pull it up here. Being ruled out, which Hayden, this was a shock. 
Um, what we had found out all offseason was that Odell was having a great camp, that he was trending towards playing. According to Rap Sheet, came out, warmed up. Kevin Stefanski said he needed to see a certain number of plays, and I'm guessing routes from Odell to make him feel comfortable, and that just didn't happen. So basically what we got was last year's Browns souped up a little bit. And I think what we always point to with last year's Browns was how dominant their offensive line was. And when Dredrick Wills goes down, you know, a great rookie left tackle last season, then you have this. So what, what can we, what can we take from this? Because we mentioned Nick Chubb and how he was absolutely incredible. 15 carries, 83 yards, two touchdowns, two catches, 18 yards. Kareem Hunt even got his six carries, 33 yards and a score himself to go along with 28 yards in the air. I think Hayden, in some ways, like the Browns offseason was pointing towards this moment when their defense arguably let them down last year. So you bring in Jadavion Clowney, who made plays. Miles Garrett towards the end of the game had a sack, you know, a deep-ish longer bench at defensive back spot, but then you have one safety who's missing, one safety who gets ejected. Where are we at with the Browns now? I, I still think that they absolutely have an avenue to being the best team in the AFC North and potentially right there with the Chiefs as we get into January. I think you can make an argument that they're the second best team in the in the AFC right now behind the Chiefs. So they just have to clean some of those things up. Going back to fantasy, though, Nick Chubb, here are the running backs with more half PPR points per game since last year. Christian McCaffrey, Dalvin Cook, Alvin Kamara, Derrick Henry. He's fifth. So he was being drafted as what, like the RB12 the entire offseason, and then he goes out and scores two touchdowns. I know he's not the every down back in passing situations. Yes, he uh, leaves some goal line touches to Kareem Hunt, who had a two-point conversion and a touchdown near the goal line. But when you have this offensive line and when you are Nick Chubb, you are expected to score a ton of touchdowns. So he's going to be one of the most efficient runners, and I think that we should stop viewing him as a borderline RB1 and start viewing him as a mid-range RB1, especially in half PPR. And worth noting that Nick Chubb had a – carry that went the longest in this game of 18 yards and we've seen other games that he is absolutely a big play threat of 20 25 30 40 yards as we alluded to the chiefs in our preview show are very good at shutting that down i would say the one name that stood out to me hayden was david and joku like we were expecting obviously the browns to be among the highs in the nfl in multiple tight end sets david and joku to me was always one of those players that he's going to be better like on a second team or a second contract. There was even a period of this offseason where it sounded like he didn't want to be on the Browns anymore. Hayden, if we can extrapolate from this game at a position that we always want new names at, can we extrapolate five targets through receptions of 76 yards, or is this just something that we can't latch on to yet? No, the Browns will be winning a lot of games this year, and when that happens, they're not going to pass the ball as often as they did today. And David Njoku has had a big play, a 43-yard play, but Austin Hooper is still involved. David, David Njoku is not uh, a part of the situation. I would guess that Odell Beckham comes back next week or um, just because they would have put him on injured reserve if they were actually worried about this. I think that they were just trying to get Odell back and play the long game because the Browns know that they're going to be in the playoff mix. So, um, yeah, I think that the Browns, this this was a tough loss, but this was like kind of everything that we thought the Browns are going to be. They're going to be definitely in the mix. For the Chiefs, it's three names. We mentioned Patrick Mahomes. It's absolutely insane that Tyreek Hill has 15 targets, 11 receptions, 197 yards, and a score. And like every single scenario when the Chiefs needed a play to be made, especially down the field, Tyreek Hill is just there. He continues to stand out to me 
as the most uncoverable wide receiver in the NFL, the perfect blend with Patrick Mahomes. Because if it's you know a single safety up top and Tyree Kill beats his man immediately outside, then boom, it's those moonshots that we've seen of vertical plays that only Patrick Mahomes has the arm to make. But then when Patrick Mahomes can buy himself some time, or now offensive line gives him a little bit more time, then it's basically impossible in man-to-man coverage to stick with Tyree Kill. It's the way he can just change direction, and it's truly route running. It is route running. And again, that gets him to 197 yards on 11 catches and one score today. In Tyree Kill's last 12 games, including the playoffs and today, he's averaging 11 targets, 116 yards, and a touchdown. I mean, that's that's basically Devontae Adams' season from last year. If those two, I think, are in a tier by themselves, then you get into your Stephon Diggs, your Calvin Ridley's, and the rest of the game. But Tyree Kill, it would not surprise me if he was maybe a top three, top four fantasy asset this, this season. Travis Kelsey finds the end zone twice on six catches for 76 yards. Did we learn anything about Clyde Edwards-Hilaire today, Hayden, a name that you and I have talked about a lot at the end of round two, beginning of round three. Uh, it was a lot of negative games. Still, he got 14 carries for 43 yards, was able to get three catches on three targets for 29 yards. Again, I think this team's going to see a lot more positive game script situations than ones like this. I, I'm not going to say like 17 touches is great, even in a, a script like this. But Hayden, maybe, I mean, to me, what stands out is he's clearly the number one back because Daryl Williams only got one carry and no one else got anything else. He played most of the snaps. He's just like not a focal point of the offense yet. Like cl- clearly it's it's Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill. He's going to be better than he what, what he was last year. But this was not like the super encouraging sign that Clyde Edwards player is going to be a top five fantasy player. He will have some massive games when touchdowns break his way. But there's a couple times where they would flick it off to the um, to the sideline, he was just like not making a guy miss. So um, I'd like to see the all 22 tape on him, but he, he's just not an explosive player. I think in this offense, he'll, he'll be fine enough. Uh, but he's, he's probably, we probably were drafting him correctly as a borderline RB1. Uh, we'll see. Browns next uh, have the Texans, the Bears, and the Vikings. That sounds much easier than what the Chiefs have next. Hey, have you seen their schedule? It's at the Ravens, then the Chargers, then the Eagles than the Bills. I mean, that's their next four. Yeah, go ahead. We we will get to this, but the the Chiefs right now, their defense, as particularly their run defense, is really bad. They're missing their best linebacker, and they're starting a second uh, second round uh, linebacker and some basically some guy that should be on special teams. So they got gashed by Nick Chubb, and I think Lamar Jackson eventually will do that too. Yeah, but we've talked about this before, like how the Chiefs beat you defensively is not just being great series to series. They'll give up some points. But it's exactly what we saw. It's Chris Jones making a sack to end a drive. It's coming up with vital interceptions when they need to. Like they have those individual playmakers with Tyron Matthew when he comes back, right? Like individual playmakers to make something happen in the moments when you're trying to keep up with Patrick Mahomes. And even in a situation where you're down by 12 points, they still put you in that situation. So that always is what stands out to me. And I agree with you. Like they're going to give up rushing yardage, but they're still going to be able to make the, the game winning play, I think, until they don't. Until they don't. Um, yep. Okay. What game should we jump to next, Hayden? How about Arizona and Tennessee? Does that sound good Do to it. you? Go for 38 it. 38-13, to 13, the Cardinals beat the Titans on the road. Hayden, you and I talked a lot about Kyler Murray heading into this season. He was being drafted as the quarterback three or quarterback four. To me, what always stood out about Kyler Murray in relation to the other quarterbacks going around him. Josh Allen, we were kind of buying at the peak. Lamar Jackson, we were buying at the peak of his 2019. Patrick Mahomes, even, who was taking 20 spots ahead of him in drafts, we were buying at his peak. Kyler Murray last season through the first 10 games 
was the best quarterback season basically in fantasy football ever. And yet he was going as the quarterback three or quarterback four. And Hayden, he showed up today, 21 of 32, 289, four touchdowns, one bad interception. And then he goes and adds another rushing touchdown for 20 yards. Maybe the player of Sunday before we get to Sunday night football. Definitely. The Titans defense looked absolutely atrocious that like they were last year. And you saw some of the big plays on the, the underneath stuff. I saw a huge play by Rondell Moore. I'm looking at their longest plays, new Hopkins, Christian Kirk, Rondell Moore, and uh, even AJ green all had 20 plus yard receptions, even chase Edmonds too. So lots of big plays. I think that the missing ingredient from last year's offense was just better wide receivers. When you're running the air raid, you need some depth at wide receiver and last year's Cardinals teams did not have that. Uh, when you have AJ Green, Christian Kirk, Rondell Moore, and Chase Edmonds, I think you're going to see even better Kyler Murray stats. So uh, I think it's just going to be him and Patrick Mahomes as the uh, quarterback one over, overall, uh, basically every single week. Yeah, and when I brought up Kyler that he has more or at least can maybe match what he did last season during those first few starts, a lot of people brought up like the rushing element and how he didn't want to do that anymore. I think personally that we can go back and watch this during the week. I think he called that run for himself because it was a naked boot that I think he just saw no defense yep. on the other side. So he took it himself. He still was okay with doing it. And it's such an unguardable um, move in that area of the field that is so important that I still think we can get, you know, 10, 12 rushing touchdowns this season, which is just an absolutely crazy season. Okay. DeAndre Hopkins. Eight targets, six receptions, 83 yards. I mean, again, this game was done in the third quarter. They had 38 points at the end of the third quarter. Um, we always had questions about what other pieces were out there other than DeAndre Hopkins and his two touchdowns. Well, Christian Kirk gets five for 70 and two scores. Rondale Moore's manufactured touches hit so differently than Larry Fitzgerald's that he can take them for four catches and 68 yards. And then A.J. Green contributes six targets, two receptions, and in 25 yards. I don't know if any of those other pieces are sticky talking about Kirk and green, but I think Rondell Moore is going to be there every single week. Hayden on manufactured touches. It's just up to him to turn like, you know, a screen pass into 29 yards. Like he did today. I saw the snap counts and he was clearly fourth uh, in the pecking order here. And it seems like him and Christian Kirk are going to be rotating. Uh, AD green finished only a couple snaps behind Deandre Hopkins. So I think, Long-term is just going to be this battle between Christian Kirk, Rondell Moore, and maybe A.J. Green if he doesn't play well enough. Um, but, yeah, I think that we won't have a, a clear-cut answer for those three going into every single week. But there will be some long touchdowns to go around if you can kind of play it. Um, but that's why you play a little bit of best ball in the summer. And you have to find those those huge weeks. If you're drafting Christian Kirk in the 17th round, bingo, he's already paid off. Because you want to have a late stack with Kyler Murray when you draft him early. Just makes sense. Uh, Chase Edmonds digged over 100 yards himself, 106 yards. He looked slippery to me. Hey, maybe it was that number yep. two that he was wearing uh, on the ground. He and James Conner did basically the the exact same thing. But I, I just thought Edmonds overall looked better. But I did see James Conner come in with some situations inside the 10 yard line, which is absolutely a role worth monitoring moving forward. I don't know if we we have enough evidence to declare one way or the other right now. I would I'll keep ranking Chase Edmonds ahead of James Conner, but James Conner will have some games where he scores two touchdowns as the goal line back. He did he did uh, go go into the game inside the five yard line a couple times there. So um, yeah, I'm with you. Chase Edmonds is the better player than James Conner, but James Conner is the bigger back, so it'll be the goal line guy. The, this was a nightmare game for the Titans. Y- you and I, I'll speak for myself, disrespected the Arizona Cardinals defense heading into this. Oh, so did I, 100. percent Yeah, okay. I did. There were. A number of things that went totally wrong for the Titans. Let's say the first one, 
was the five or six sacks that Chandler Jones had. Some against Taylor Lewan at left tackle, another against the number 71 that spelled Taylor Lewan at times at left tackle. Taylor Lewan even went out to Twitter and spoke about his thoughts, saying, thanks for exposing me, Chandler Jones. Uh, that's an odd move. But, Hayden, when you have that and you have a quarterback who, Ryan Tannehill, 212, one touchdown, bad interception, also had a rushing touchdown in there as well. This is an offense that like gets in its rhythm, gets in its flow. And so when you get down on a scoreboard that big, you ultimately have someone like Derrick Henry who just gets 17 carries for 58 yards. Somehow we had like a career high basically of three catches and 19 yards. But just like the immediate negative game script and bad blocking equaled the Tennessee Titans going absolutely nowhere in this game. The Cardinals front seven is definitely better this year. Their secondary is definitely still worse than probably was last year, but when they can rush the quarterback, then they can win some ball games. So yeah, maybe we were sleeping on the Arizona pass rush with Chandler Jones, JJ Watt, and they're all those linebackers they've been drafting. So uh, something to keep an eye. I am absolutely shocked that AJ Brown and Julio Jones com- combined had seven catches like that is, I mean, what happened, Josh? Like, do you have any idea what, like literally how? So, Julio was pretty heavily targeted. I know I know it only has like six on here, three receptions for, for 29 yards. There were those 50-50 balls of good coverage, like locked down, that he just didn't come down with. And those were a lot of inside breaking routes. I mean, what the only touchdown that they scored in the air was to A.J. Brown that was over the middle of the field. I think it was a 19-yarder. But I think he was in and out of the lineup too. I mean, this game was over before it started. Like, the Titans defense is one that we can probably look at week yes. in and week out as one that we can get after. And we predicted that heading in because of all the mess that they've had at the cornerback position over the years, and it hasn't worked out in their investments. And Hayden, to me, that's a big issue because like this is always the fear with drafting Derrick Henry in the top 12 picks. And I'm not off the Derrick Henry train at all, but like if they have negative game scripts, he's not a player that we can rely on like others throughout the league. Like, Again, this is a team that likes to throw to lead, then run to win. And if those elements can't happen early on, then this equation gets very different than what we've seen from Derrick Henry and this team the last two years. When are we going to start hyping up the Texans as the AFC South champion? They're current, they're the only team that's one and zero. I mean, th- that division looks really bad. The Titans looked really bad. I thought they were the class of the division ahead of the Colts, but the Colts didn't look. We'll get to them in a second. I mean, all this this division is totally whack. Yeah. Three turnovers from Ryan Tannehill. Th- two of those fumbles uh, were from Chandler Jones as well. Yeah. I mean, the Cardinals, I know the NFC West is absolute madness and we're still have yet to see the LA Rams tonight, but they get the Vikings and the Jaguars the next two weeks. Uh, all ships go ahead here with, uh, yep. with Kyler Murray. What game you want to hit on next, Aiden? Steelers bills. Uh, this was one of the morning games. This was a, another chaos game, but it was chaos in a bad way. Josh Allen, this looked like old school Josh Allen. He was very inaccurate, and they ended up losing the game just because he missed some passes. There was one pass in particular, a deep pass over the middle to Emmanuel Sanders that just like went five yards over Emmanuel's uh, head. That would have been a huge touchdown. But even going to the running game, you had Zach Moss getting healthy and active, and then uh, Devin Singletary still wasn't that involved. Um, the, The Bills were trailing the entire game, and that forced a ton of passes to Stephon Diggs, who had 13. Cole Beasley had 12. Then Emmanuel Sanders, Gabe Davis, 
all the way down there. So I think this was good news for Cole Beasley. I think this was okay news for Emmanuel Sanders and Gabe Davis. Um, but this was a very concerning loss for, for Josh Allen, just because it was the accuracy and that we did not see that at basically at all last year. He actually led the NFL in right. on target rate uh, in clean pockets last year. And that this was a complete reversal back to like two, like 2018. We've had two very different Josh Allen's over the last two years, right? Like, Two years ago, he was the worst deep ball thrower in the NFL. He was probably around league average when it came to in-pocket, clean-pocket situations. Last year, he was best in the NFL, basically, at both. Um, what happened? I mean, again, to everyone out there, we are still working on the details of our Sunday night show. Hayden watched four games. I watched four games. This is one he watched. And all I saw early on, opening kickoff, big gain for the Buffalo Bills, up by 10 points at halftime. Uh, then nothing in the second half, except for six points in, in the fourth quarter. Like we have seen Josh Allen, you make some poor decisions in the past. You're, you're saying it's, it's accuracy. Was it under pressure? Was it clean situations? Is it something that the bills can fix? Or was it just like the Steelers defense just performing at a very, very high level? Part of it for sure was the Steelers defense, but like there was a couple in pocket situations. It was downfield and it was short range. Like there was a couple things where you just throwing out to the flats for like a little screen and we're just throwing it straight into the turf. So um, I, I don't know how, how to view this pro- like properly because last year he was one of the best and this year looked like a, a total regression. I'm still going to view him as a top five quarterback for the next couple weeks here and see what happens. But this was a concerning home loss for, for, for the bills here. So um, on the other side of the ball, just real quick talking about the Steelers. Um, Big Ben got the win. The Steelers defense looked great. Big Ben did not like look the part though. Like this was still a very sloppy game for Big Ben where his arm did not look completely rejuvenated. It wasn't a completely disaster, but this was not like uh old school Big Ben by any means. Will you refresh the page so you can get a better connection? And I'll keep going through this Steelers team. Uh, and he mentioned, by the way, quickly on, on the Bills. Uh, Cole Beasley was able to get 13 targets for eight receptions. We talked about all offseason how Stefan Diggs was being drafted like way, way, way ahead of the rest. Cole Beasley, Emmanuel Sanders were at some point being third and fourth. Um, now they're clearly, clearly two and three on their own team. And Gabriel Davis, while he got the touchdown, wouldn't read in too much of that because he was clearly the fourth in snap share. Um, on the Steelers side, I'll ask Hayden this. Najee Harris, we know he's going to get a massive workload in round two. Najee Harris, we all have questions about the offensive line. Hayden, is it a good thing that I know that all 23 points were scored in the second half, but that in the end we get just 17 total touches for Najee Harris in a win in week one that resulted in just 49 yards like that shouldn't please us at all based on draft capital. Like, do you see some more upside that we can get to? It was a bunch of yards after contact here. I mean, he was getting completely stuffed at the line of scrimmage. I, I do think that we, I want to give a little bit of credit to the bills front seven. They, that was basically their biggest off season priority was to get that kind of fixed. And I think that they did a really good job, but this was the exact worry that we had as a community was that Najee Harris is going to have a massive workload, but if he can't run between the tackles at all, then how much is it going to actually matter? So I, I think that he didn't come off the field basically for a single snap the entire game. So that's a benefit. He will not have this yards per carry for the entire season, but this was not, uh, I mean, you, you would hope that in a, in a positive game script that things would have 
fallen into order a little bit better. Um, so I think that he's going to be a, a high-end RB2. Maybe he can sneak back into the low-end RB1 mix, but I think that right where he was being drafted seems about right. Last year, we frustrated constantly about which Pittsburgh wide receiver to start. Ultimately, Hayden, eight targets for Juju for four for 52. Chase Claypool, five targets, three catches, 45 yards. He had another carry for 25 yards as well. And Deontay Johnson was the one to find the end zone. Once again, 10 targets, five receptions, 36 yards, and the score. Hey, no, it's a great touchdown catch. Anything we can learn from this trio, though? No, it's like the same thing as last year. I mean, this they weren't throwing the ball downfield very often, and that explains all of their poor yards per target. Big Ben was missing some passes. I mean, Big Ben was really missing some passes early on in the game, and Chase Claypool looked like an absolute savage. He had a, a jet sweep that went for 25 yards, and then there, he basically mossed Tredavious White in, in man-to-man coverage on along the sideline. So it just kind of depends on uh, the, the game scripts and – maybe an injury or something, but I think that this will be complete chaos just like it was last year. Let's jump down to the Chargers and Washington Chargers in the road in the one o'clock window when 20 to 16 Hayden, this just feels differently than Chargers teams of the past. You, you, when I was watching, I like was kind of pointing out moments in my head of, Hey, in the last five or so years, this could have gone in the opposite direction, but just having Justin Herbert changes changes this team. He finishes 31 of 47, 337, one touchdown, and one interception. And I tweeted this. But one way that he just opens up the offense is for opposite hash throws. Like just being able to have on an absolute rope laser throws to outside breaking routes the opposite side of the field just allows different route combinations and just forces the defense to like try to cover every single blade of grass. And like, he makes it look so easy that you think, okay, yeah, of course. Like why, why isn't the defense covering this? Then you go and watch these other quarterbacks in the other games. And it's, it's just stuff that they don't do that. Everything is just more condensed for them. I mean, he basically picked up exactly where he left off. I know he had that one bad interception that then was given right back due to an Antonio Gibson fumble, but Hayden, our guys also ran back to us as well. Keen Allen, 13 targets, nine receptions, a hundred yards, a lot of stuff over the middle of the field. He and Justin Herbert were back in sync and Mike Williams, your boy, 12 targets, eight receptions, 82 yards and a score, a lot of contested catches, a lot of trust between he and his quarterback we're rolling. I know it was only 20 points, but I think we're really rolling early on this season with this Chargers offense. Yeah, that, that's 20 points on the road against Washington, who was a, an elite defense last year. So I, I'm totally happy with all of the char- Chargers box. I haven't watched this game, but I do want to point out last year all the negative regression stuff for Justin Herbert, because a lot of that stuff came on third downs and during pressure situations. Well, a couple of things. When you have a better offensive line, you're not going to be under pressure as often. And when you're that tall and you have that good of an arm and you're that smart, and you have that coaching staff, some of that stuff, I think you can be playing above expectation in those bad environments. So I'm not that surprised if Justin Herbert's going to go out here and kind of beat the regression models just because he just seems like a different dude. Um, So I want to be buying up all of this. It's basically just those two pass catchers right now. Austin Eckler eventually will get there. But when it's Jalen Guyton and Josh Guy or uh, Josh Reynolds and freaking Jared Cook and Donald Parham. It's just going to be the Mike Williams show. So get ready every single week, wide receiver three. Absolutely insane that Austin Eckler didn't have a target or reception in this game. Uh, he did, despite 
everyone's concern not being 100% heading into this game. I do want to say it because our audience for this show is going to be different than the pregame show. We talked about this also in the preview show. Hayden, we produce a lot of content. Uh, that Brandon Staley and the Chargers, I think you're going to see handle injuries differently than a lot of other teams. Maybe Joe Judge. I'm just throwing out names here. These old school coaches will want like players to practice all week long before they get to a game. What Brandon Staley has learned from under Sean McVay last year is, hey, we're not going to play our guys in the preseason. We want them to be healthy for game day. And so I wouldn't be shocked at all if you see some players missing time that might seem weird, but then they're just completely healthy and active on on game days. Now, who wasn't active was Joshua Kelly in the backfield. Larry Roundtree got eight carries for 27 yards. Justin Jackson just one carry for five yards. But Hayden, I saw like between the tackles work, I saw goal line work for Austin Eckler too. This is exactly the situation. I know it wasn't a massive ceiling because we didn't get the receiving work. This is exactly the usage that we want from Austin Eckler moving forward. If Austin Eckler was limited, if there was a snap count that the Chargers coaching staff was comfortable with, I think that eventually, obviously, he's going to be targeted way more than what he was today. But the big thing, and I know it's not going to show up in the box score necessarily, but his touchdown came from three yards out. That is massive. I mean, that was like one of the biggest storylines because if if Austin Eckler is going to be the goal line back, like Joe Lombardi used Alvin Kamara in New Orleans, that's how Austin Eckler goes from the borderline RB1 up into like the mid or high end RB1. So I know this wasn't the huge Austin Eckler game, but I think in a, a tough road environment, when he was dealing with a little bit of an injury and he got that goal line touchdown, you come out of there, there was no setbacks. I think if you're an Austin Eckler manager, I think that you would th- gladly take this and play play the long haul here. And we got to say that this is a different OC, different play caller. I mean, it was the same three pieces, that four pieces we keep talking about, with the Chargers. But Joe Lombardi, who's had like a checkered pass as a play caller, this was great. I thought this was really, really good. And we also need to bring up that Hunter Henry left, massive contract to the Patriots, was a top 12 scoring tight end last year. And Jared Cook comes in, eight targets, five receptions, 56 yards. Just a massive body who is fairly athletic. And Hayden, it wouldn't shock me at all if we see him hovering around the top 12 tight end mark for, for the rest of the season. Um, okay, we need to talk about Washington, too, because major news in this one all summer long, not just us, everyone else excited that Ryan Fitzpatrick might finally be on like a complete team in some ways. Well, early on this contest, after six attempts, just for 13 yards, uh, he went down with a hip injury. As Rap Sheet points out, there is a cause for concern. He's getting an MRI tomorrow. It's a hip sub sub blue subluxation subluxation. How would you say that word? Subluxation subluxation. Just say it fast. Whatever you said. The hope nothing is broken, a serious injury, but they'll learn how serious tomorrow. So Taylor Heineke comes in. Who, like in the grand scheme of backups, is fine. But I think we lost some of our juice, some of our explosion, some of that downfield power. Because, again, Terry McLaurin only got four targets for 62 yards. He did hit Logan Thomas on a three-yard touchdown, like a post-up play. But, hey, and it kind of morphed into a little bit of what we got last year with Alex Smith and back and like the running backs being attached to them. Cause in the end, by far and away, Antonio Gibson leads this team with 23 touches for 108 total yards. They're just going to keep giving him the rock. Taylor Heineke is like a fun backup. Like he runs around and maybe he can pull off a couple upsets here and there kind of has like a, a wannabe Ryan Fitzpatrick, but it's just the throwing. Like he's just not going to throw downfield like Ryan Fitzpatrick was. So that would be, a huge deal to Terry McLaurin, to Diami Brown, possibly to Logan Thomas. 
if Ryan Fitzpatrick misses some time, which it seems like he will, we'll see. We'll see. Maybe if they try Cam Newton, but I'm not sure if Cam Newton would even beat out Taylor Heineke, um, who's been there the entire last couple off season. So um, this is a this is a huge deal because this this was like Terry McLaurin wide receiver one season. It sounds like it might just be kind of over immediately. But Taylor Terry, or Terry McLaurin made that insane play down the sideline. Yeah. I think he can overcome it but only like to a certain degree, like last year, Terry McLaurin was like a what, wide receiver too. Yeah. I do want to bring up that it was 16 to 13 heading into the final. So it wasn't like the chargers were leading throughout despite Washington, not having their quarterback. So I think that that might've played into a lot of Antonio Gibson also being very good. Antonio Gibson is, is a good ball carry. And if it, if it turns into a negative game script situation, wouldn't be shocked if we see more JD McKissick too, like we saw last year, I wouldn't rule that out as well McKissick played McKissick played more third down snaps I saw that tweeted out there than Antonio Gibson did okay so those were the four games that we focused on in the one o'clock window is there anyone else that we missed I think that's four Seahawks Colts yeah go to Seahawks Colts let's do that one so let's go to the Seahawks first um when they were up 21 to 10 in the third quarter is basically a 50 50 split between dropbacks versus rushes but I think part of the reason why is because Tyler Lockett was absolutely killing the Colts uh the cover two stuff kind of played out just how we thought it was there was a slot fade touchdown where Tyler Lockett made this insane over the shoulder catch and then he had this double move down way down the field for a massive touchdown um we saw D Eskridge leave the game with a little concussion I think that it's just going to go through DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett even more and then Chris Carson kind of did his thing he had a little fumble but Rashad Penny it re-injured himself so we we basically know what the Seahawks are going to do. We saw Russell Wilson have, have a good game. He didn't have to go crazy because the Colts, like, let's just be honest here. We're really never in this game after like the first or second quarter. Yeah. 21 to 10 at halftime. Uh, I haven't gotten to watch this game yet. I can't wait to do it this week. All I saw was absolute moonshot highlights yeah. of Russell Wilson <laughs> to Tyler Lockett and Hayden. It made me feel like I know a lot has changed with the play calling this off season, but like, has it exactly changed? That, that was a big, you know, talking point for me heading into this of Shane Waldron coming from like not a short passing game necessarily, but like one with rhythm and crispness. Was that evident here in week one or did we got some old school rust thrown in there as well? It was interesting because the cover two usually means, especially cover two zone means a lot of like checkdowns underneath. And then all of Tyler, Tyler Lockett's touchdowns were deep downfield. So this was kind of a, a random game. It's hard to take uh, things away after one game, especially on the broadcast view. So we'll see what, what happens on the all 22, but this looked about the same. This was not like super um, up-tempo, pass-heavy, like airing it out offense. This was definitely more balanced, more traditional Seahawks offense where Russell Wilson was just launching balls with perfect touchdown field. So um, I would say this would be a win for anyone that was drafting the Seahawks players, and that includes uh, Chris Carson. What about on the Colts side? We know that they faced a lot of injuries throughout the preseason. Quentin Nelson. Carson Wentz, again, negative game script. So Jonathan Taylor gets 17 carries for 56 yards. Major contributor, though, in the passing game. I mean, the two top rushers were also the two top receivers. Jonathan Taylor, six receptions, 60 yards. Nine behind six catches for 48 yards. Uh, our My Michael Pittman Benji talk certainly did not happen. Just three catches for 29 yards. How'd that offense look as a whole? Is there much to take from this? Because if there is, Hayden... Uh, not so great start here. Carson Wentz took three sacks. He averaged 6.6 yards per attempt. He had a fumble. This was 
I mean, it wasn't as bad as like the Eagles Carson Wentz last year, but this was like kind of looking like exactly like Carson Wentz. And um, they didn't have their, their starting left tackle that kind of played a factor into this. The Seahawks defensive line is much better this year. Their front seven just in general is much better this year than it was last season. So that's something to monitor. But this entire offense basically goes through the running backs and maybe we'll see Michael Pittman uh, have a bigger game later on. But it was Zach Pascal and Michael Pittman in, in 12 personnel. They both had five and four targets. They were the primary guys. Paris Campbell basically is like going to be unplayable, I think, as the yeah. third receiver in a – this will be a very bad passing offense that uses both running backs. But like you said off the top, this was Jonathan Taylor's highest targeted game of his NFL career. He's still split snaps basically even with Naeem Hines. But since the entire offense goes through both of them, you're going to still have the Jonathan Taylor RB one weeks, even if Naeem Hines is a, a legit contributor. Hmm. I saw some Colts beat writers saying that this is the worst the Colts offensive line has looked in years. I would say like Seattle has a couple good defensive players, but this is certainly not going to be the best defense that they face all season. To me, that can be true because we obviously know that they're missing their left tackle from last season. Obviously he retired. They're still trying to figure out some of those pieces, but, and maybe this is wrong. These, Types of narratives seem to follow Carson Wentz around. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, very weird that the offensive line looks way worse when Carson Wentz is sitting there, just his eyes downfield glued. Cement and then just, feet. Yeah, and he Cement just he feet. just a sitting duck. And he it, it's possible that he just doesn't have the same athleticism after, after all those injuries too. So if you were drafting Carson Wentz or had high hopes for a lot of these players, it's going to be – I think it's going to be kind of tough sledding. I still think that Michael Pittman, if he's good enough, will separate here. Yeah. Um, but this was not a great start for the Colts offense. Well, Seattle started off with 28 points against the Colts. They get the Titans next week, who we outlined with, I mean, gosh, Titans. You start off with Kyler and Russ. Good luck to you. Anyways, the Colts get the Rams and then the Titans after that as well. Before we move on, some of the other 1 o'clock window games, do want to remind you that, boom, we still have Pick'em going on right now. This is for Sunday Night Football, and there's even Monday Night Football players that will be posted tomorrow morning if you want a free 25 dollars, you can 20 extra money in one night use promo code the show i guarantee you have fun with pick'em it's a great way to get started with that free 25 bucks again promo code the show it's great on the app as you can see and great on desktop just go download underdog fantasy hey and let's jump on over to one of the rookie quarterback starters let's do the jets and the panthers panthers went at home 19 to 14. Sam Darnold, 24 of 35, 279, one touchdown. As weird as this sounds, Christian McCaffrey had like one of the most quiet 187 yard performances of all time. I think Justin Herzig put out that he went 30 touches for 187, but didn't hit any bonuses on DK, uh, which maybe has never happened before. I again it's it's just amazing that you see him pick up chunks here and there and receptions on third down and think like, Oh yeah, it was really solid. Then he has 187 <laughs> freaking yards. Anyways. Um, what I was most impressed by on this Panthers team, Hayden, as crazy as it sounds, their defense, their defense was flying around. And in some ways I've equated it to the chiefs defense where it's not going to be tremendous drive in and drive out, but now they have like these explosive, aggressive athletic playmakers and Brian Burns and Hassan Reddick and Jeremy Chin and Shaq Thompson and 
J.C. Horn and Dante Jackson, well, they were dominant in the first half, shut out the Jets, and then closed the game out in the second half. But I know we want to talk about these offensive pieces. D.J. Moore, eight targets, six receptions, 80 yards, along with like this awesome sideline catch. Robbie Anderson, just one catch on three targets, was a 57-yard touchdown. Hayden, we know the same Donald train, roller coaster, up and down. But as you have alluded to all summer, it doesn't necessarily matter in the wins and losses column if he can get there as a top-quality quarterback because in some ways with Joe Brady calling plays, this offense is going to be too big to fail, I think. These weapons are too good. Like, I mean, when you have Christian McCaffrey just piling up 180 yards like it's nothing, and then you have big plays, yeah, it's it's going to be looking good. Um, I, I'm not too surprised that the Jets looked really bad here. I mean, their defense is truly one of the worst in, in the NFL. It could be the actual worst in the NFL. And then in the in the middle of the game, they lose Makai Becton to, I believe, a knee sprain. doesn't seem like it's going to be a full tear. We'll see how long he's going to be out. But that's really bad news for Zach Wilson, who I heard was just getting pummeled. So I, I don't know how much that is just the athletic young players on the camp, on the Panthers' defense or if that was Zach Wilson just kind of standing in the pocket too long or without, if it was just a full-blown disaster across the offensive yeah. line. A- anytime that Zach Wilson was forced to hold on to the football a little longer than expected, like double pump it, then he was sacked or he was pressured. They were doing these twists and stunts up front with linebackers like scraping over top mm-hmm. and – the 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 Jets running backs just weren't in position to get them in pass protection and boom you get sacks. His interception was tipped by Shaq Thompson and picked off by Shaq Thompson. That's not to say he didn't have some really positive plays. Like Zach Wilson certainly did have some positive plays. Corey Davis, a player that you and I was got he got all the way up to like wide receiver forty towards the end of the season, but was one of our top five wide receiver values. He's clearly their top target. Seven targets, five receptions, ninety seven yards. And two scores, would you compare that to Elijah Moore, who's getting all the headlines in training camp, negative three yards on one catch. It's so obvious that Corey Davis is the top man here. But Hayden, while I think like this team can be productive, I don't know if it's going to be top half of the league with the Jets, especially in the running game, obviously, because of the Mike Mackay Becton injury. We're now like, I don't know if multiple pieces can get there each week. Does that make sense? Yeah, let's be honest. The Jets' offense is going to suck. Like, they're going to be super bad. Like, they're going to really be bad. Like, it's, it, I hate to say it, but Zach Wilson's going to have to play like an absolute superstar for this offense to be like 20th best in the league. Like, that's just yeah. like, that's just the reality of the situation. I do think that you can basically just toss out every Jets running back, like, just like forget about it. It was a three way committee. Just like, don't even try it. I do think you're going to have some spiked weeks like Corey Davis had as the true ex receiver. And I do think I would not drop Elijah Moore. I would not panic. This was Correct. week one coming back from an injury. They'll figure it out, especially if the 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 left tackle situation is bad. Who are they going to throw out a little quick stuff out to? It's probably going to be Elijah Moore. So not a, I wouldn't start in week two. You have to see what his role is going to be with Jameson Crowder eventually coming back. But I think that this was a basically Corey Davis in fantasy and nobody else. And I think that's just going to be the way it is for quite a bit. Yeah. The Makai Becton injury, again, depending on how serious it is, could derail any like post by rookie bumps for like Michael Carter, which we were hoping yeah. for towards the end of draft season. Quickly in the Panthers, um, they did start this game off really poorly, Hayden, in the fact that they were getting inside the 20, inside the 10 once again, and they still weren't converting. This was what derailed parts of their season last year. I thought Joe Brady and company would be able to fix that. They absolutely did not early in this game, I'm not going to say they got away with the win in 1914, but this game was so much closer 
then it should have been because of that. Absolutely. Yeah. Because and they even tried to get Terrace Marshall involved in there with screens. He got six targets as well. So he's still a name to keep involved. Because I, I wouldn't be surprised if we see a spike week from him coming up in the near future. Just cannot say enough good things about that front four with Derek Brown, Brian Burns, Hassan Red. I mean, geez, they were flying around. Go watch that game if you haven't. Uh, let's quickly hit on some other week one. Oh, oh we yeah, can't forget about this game. We got Broncos Giants to talk about here. Oh, go ahead. This go will ahead. be quick. The Giants also suck. And I think that we're getting close <laughs> where like NYU football might be the best team in New York right now. I mean, Daniel Jones couldn't do anything. He's now fumbled the ball and lost a fumble 18 times in the last two, two plus years. The second closest is 11 and he throws a bunch of interceptions. The offensive line looked really bad. And that was with the Broncos not even have having Bradley Chubb. Uh, Saquon Barkley was out there. I think he played 28 snaps. He did nothing with it. Part of that was because he's coming back from an ACL and we should expect him to get better as the season progresses. But also just the offensive line is it's one of the worst in the league. So I, I'm expecting close to nothing for the Giants offense. Once again, I do think eventually Sterling Shepard, Kenny Galladay are kind of kind of ping pong weeks as the, the wide receiver one. Um, but you just didn't see anything. It was like the same Giants as last year. I mean, freaking Jason Garrett, who's uh, I think Marcus Mosher tweeted out that they're averaging 17 points. The Giants under Jason Garrett. Uh, through 17 games. Got to love it. Just the combination of Jason Garrett with this offensive line with Daniel Jones is a disaster. Like none of those pieces fix the other one. Like if you had Daniel Jones back there who has blinders on when he's in the pocket as reference to his interceptions and especially his fumbles, but a good offensive line, then maybe you could win games there or like a good play caller. Like we just talked about with, with, Joe Brady, because Sam Darnold was far from perfect, made some awesome throws, but Joe Brady puts him into a position to succeed in a lot of those situations. Jason Garrett doesn't do that with Daniel Jones, and he doesn't do that with his offensive line. Again, that trio is a perfect storm of, of poor, of badness. And to me, that's why like the Giants might be one of the worst teams in the NFL this year, for sure. Their defense is going to make them better than the Jets, I think, but the, this offense is going to be basically – unwatchable like it was last year i'm at the point where just because we had positive buzz out of training camp and sterling shepherd was actually out there yeah. next week i might rank sterling shepherd above kenny galladay and kenny galladay somehow was like still being drafted as like the wide receiver 34 like even like late into best ball when he hadn't practiced and all the practice reports were negative in the first place i think he's going to go down as one of the biggest busts and i think that when we talk about uh free agent wide receivers switching teams late into their career it's not the DeAndre Hopkins types that you worry about. It's the, it's, the, it's the Kenny Galladay tier. Like right. that's the one where you have to keep keep your eye out. Like when Giants are spending money on a big big name free agent, like that's when you have to get yeah. uh, put him on the radar. It's the Kenny Galladay, Tyra Williams, not the Stefan Diggs, DeAndre Hopkins, Corey Davis tier. You know what I'm saying? Hey, Corey Davis, <laughs> good player. To, to, to your point, yeah, Galladay had six, uh, four receptions, six targets, sixty four yards. Sterling Shepard completely outplayed him on the stat sheet nine targets seven receptions 113 yards and a score let's look in over the broncos side real quick you have alluded to this all summer long props to you that while javante williams was being drafted in that running back dead zone next to some of their names we're going to talk about in a moment um, those close to the team namely our friend ben albright on the show has said that melvin gordon is going to have a significant role if not even be the starter early on he was far more productive in this game, Hayden. Melvin Gordon was 11 carries, 101, one touchdown, a long run of 70 yards, which helps it 
tremendously. Javante Williams, though, I mean, it's a 50-50 split. No, 14 yeah. carries, 45 yards. And then Melvin Gordon was the one who got the three targets, three receptions for 17 yards as well. Yeah, Melvin Gordon out-targeted Javante Williams. I think that is something that I'll be projecting for most of the season. We'll see what happens with the post by rookie bump for Javante Williams. But just going back to, to last year, these running backs combined for the 27th most fantasy usage that kind of converts targets and goal line opportunities and rushes just in general into one category. And last year's Broncos were not that high in that because it's a slow-paced, balanced offense, and it's just like a Pat Shermer-led offense, and they're not going to score that many points. So it's going to be hard for Melvin Gordon or Javante Williams to be RB2s. I guess some of them can have some spiked weeks, but because the Broncos paid Melvin Gordon the fourth most money out of any right. running back in the NFL – I think the the bar it's going to take for Javante Williams to clear is higher than what was being led on early on. So we'll see. He's going to get better as the season progresses. And I think that he might even be a better player than MV3, but the yep. Broncos certainly don't believe that quite yet. But early on, Melvin Gordon's going to play. I, I think it's yes. that simple. And a game like this is not going to change that at all. Uh, let's talk about the passing game. Teddy must have played pretty well. 264, two touchdowns. Jerry Judy, seven targets, six receptions, 72 yards. Jerry Judy left with a high ankle sprain. X-rays have already come back negative, which it's not worst case scenario, but high ankle sprains. Four wide receivers, not good. Ankles are important when running routes. Uh, hey, now keep going down the list. Noah Fant, eight targets, six receptions, 62 yards. KJ Hamler could have a massive day, dropped a touchdown. They'd have 41 yards. And the player that I kind of wanted to see it before I believed in him on a weekly basis was Cortland Sutton. And all we got there was three targets, one reception, and 14 yards. So we basically have three other pass catchers, maybe even four with Tim Patrick, that were more involved with than Cortland Sutton. Is that fair to say? Well, a couple things. I think Jerry Judy might miss like a month plus. It was it was not a pretty looking injury, and he got carted off. And we hate high ankle sprains for for wide receivers. So we'll learn more for uh, by the time the next podcast comes out. Tim Patrick weirdly was playing before Jerry Judy's injury. Like he was like second or third in targets before Jerry Judy went down. There was a rotation at the wide receiver spot. Um, I can't wait to see the, the actual snap count data, but it was interesting that, that Tim Patrick was in there um, at the expense of targets to Cortland Sutton and to KJ Hamler. But we, we know that those are going to be the three guys. And this is like now or never for Cortland Sutton to get back there at full strength. Cause I'm not expecting Jerry Judy to be out there for a couple weeks. Okay, let's move on. Let's talk about, this madness right before an hour before kickoff with the San Francisco 49ers and the Detroit Lions. Ultimately, Hayden, I think the game might be an afterthought after what we consider happened and the players. 41 to 33, the 49ers hang on to beat the Lions. I mean, at one point, they were up 38 to 17 and almost allowed the Jared Goff led Giants to come right, lines to come back and win. But let's talk about it. Okay. First, you and I were on stream as we are before every single one o'clock kickoff. Be here or be square. That Trey Sermon <laughs> was inactive. Now what the hey, hell? Now, Hayden, let's read into this. Okay. Trey Sermon. I even went back and looked at the blurbs. Trey Sermon ran with the starters in game one and game three of the preseason. Now, Raheem Mostert popped in here and there, I think in game two and game three. 
but it's not like Trey Sermon was demoted to backup status during that time. So we can take that and we did and extrapolate and say, oh, this team traded up for Trey Sermon. He did nothing wrong during the preseason necessarily games. He's going to be a focal point here. Now, what I've also picked up on Hayden, and this might not be the case with every team, but for a lot of these teams, once training camp ends and preseason games are over, those practices are no longer open to the public. And a lot of times only certain sections are open to the media. And so a lot of people said, well, why didn't we hear about this Trey Sermon running with the practice squad all week or as a backup all week? And Hayden, it's because I don't think the media was aware of it because Kyle Shanahan's not going to say anything. They weren't there for those portions of practice either. And so what I think truly has happened is fumbles, poor practice, something else in that span of 10 days, which is the longest we've had between preseason being over and week one starting, Trey Sermon did something to become the running back four on this team. And it just hurt us an hour before kickoff this year. I have no idea what the hell happened here. And I, I feel terrible. I mean, I was telling everyone to keep drafting Trey Sermon. I love Trey Sermon and he looked fine to me. And there was even like reports in training camp where Trey Sermon was looking good as a, as a third down option. He played on passing downs in one of the preseason games. He played with the freaking starters. And then all of a sudden this happened. So I don't know if the 49ers are practicing in like area 51 now, and we just like have no access and we'll just never know what happens. But I think it is time to panic with Trey Sermon. I, that does not mean in to me at least that we should drop him in standard like 10, 12 t- team leagues. I would give this another week or two, but Eli Mitchell is a must have like with, especially yeah. with Raheem Mostert, he had a knee injury. We don't know what his status is short-term and long-term, but Eli Mitchell looked great. And apparently he's ahead of Trey Sermon, despite that never being the case from any point. Right. Let, let's lead. Let's read into that just for a moment. Eli Mitchell played in the preseason and was well behind Trey Sermon not in even all close. of those contests. Not yep. even close. So this had to have happened in the last 10 days since yeah. practices were closed. Had to. Yeah. I mean, all the all of the coach speak about Trey Sermon was positive throughout the entire thing. I kept reading it. Um, so I, I would not drop Trey Sermon. I would for sure pick up Eli Mitchell. I think that you can even pick up Jermichael Hasty if he's out there, especially if we get uh, negative news on Raheem Mostert's knee injury. And if Trey Sermon's still behind these guys in two weeks, then I, I think it's fair to drop him. I think like that's how fast we have to react. I just don't want to do it this week. I would give this another week. Maybe we get another couple couple quotes out of Shanahan. But this was this was the most shocking news of, of week one, in, in my opinion. Raheem Mostert left, as you said, after just two carries for 20 yards. It's a knee injury. Yep. We're going to find out more in the near future. And then in his absence, Eli Mitchell goes out there, 19 carries for 104 yards. One touchdown. We talked about Eli Mitchell in our running back show prior to the draft. Explosive athlete. Explosive yes. athlete. And I always thought that they drafted he and Trace uh, and Trey Sermon because next year none of these backs are under contract. And so I always thought that Eli Mitchell might have been a 2022 player, but it could happen in 2021. And as you said, we have seen lower draft picks than Eli Mitchell have a lot of production in a Shanahan-like offense. But Hayden, it doesn't start stop at the running back position for the madness with Boomer Kyle Shanahan now, apparently Brandon Ayuk is in the freaking doghouse. Brandon Ayuk, who is being drafted as the number one wide receiver option in the San Francisco 49ers, Kyle Shanahan said that Trent Sherfield just outplayed him in camp. And that combined with Ayuk's recent hamstring issue cost him 10 days, where a driving force behind his usage, meaning not on the field. Hayden, 
Zero targets from Brandon Ayuk today. Panic sirens were off on Twitter. It's to me, you're not you're not you're not coming close to dropping Brandon Ayuk. You're definitely waiting for this to play out. And I think that this could just be injury related. He could easily start next week, but he was definitely in the rotation. He didn't play, I believe, until the second quarter. So like this is 100 percent on my radar. I don't know what to make make of this. I think that it won't be an issue long term just because Brandon Ayuk looked pretty good as a as a rookie. And he's obviously the first round guy. And it's freaking Trent, Trent Sherfield after all. But I don't know if you start him next week. I think that you were going to have to rely on the beat reporters who got literally nothing for the last 10 days. So like, I don't know what we do for week two, but I think that it was clearly Debo season. And for sure, I'm ranking Debo ahead of Brandon Ayuk for, for next week, like not even close. Debo was insane. Nine catches, 189, one touchdown. Quickly on the Lions side, you and I did our starts that show before. And a lot of people were nervous about DeAndre Swift. One, because of reports that Jamal Williams was going to be the starter, but also that this was going to be like a bad spot for the Lions against the 49ers. I will reiterate it, that this is why you drafted DeAndre Swift was to start him in these spots, because you believe that he can still be productive and maybe most productive in negative game script situations. The Lions aren't going to be in many, if any, positive game script situations all season long. And Swift paid off. Eight receptions, 65 yards, and a score. I mean, Yes, that was helped by a 43-yarder where he beat one man, but also had the 11 carries for 39 yards. I don't know if you want to say anything about the Lions before we move on. Yeah, they're going to be really bad, and there's going to be negative game script for DeAndre Swift to have a possible top 15 or even higher than that uh, season, especially in full PPR. So this is you're very happy if you have uh, DeAndre Swift or or, for, or TG Hawkins. Like I think Tyrell Williams was like fourth in like wide receiver snaps, so it's basically just those two. Let's sprint through some more takeaways. Texans beat the Jaguars 37 to 21. Certainly did not see this one coming. Hayden, the Jaguars defense was way worse than their offense. I mean, the game plan was awful. The players were awful. Trevor Lawrence was asked to throw the ball 51 times for 332 yards. Still got three touchdowns. One to Marvin Jones, one to DJ Chark. Maybe the biggest takeaway, because I think the Jaguars are going to be productive offensively moving forward, is that James Robinson even when this team is bad and losing games is going to come nowhere close to handling 20 ish touches per game. Like you did last season. Very sad. I was definitely wrong on that one too. We'll see. We'll see how much longer Carlos Hyde could hold on to that job. But yeah, certainly a huge takeaway. Uh, Texans offense. I truly don't know how much we can take from this. A lot of their big plays Hayden were like thrown into triple coverage downfield. And then the wide receiver just outworked the cornerback coming back to it. Brandon cooks had a couple big plays. In that regard, he had a great day, 132 yards on five catches. I would put this more on the Jaguars just being absolutely putrid, but who knows? I mean, this one was a stunner. I wouldn't also wouldn't freak out of Mark Ingram getting 26 carries, 85 yards on a touchdown. Like, do we really, in the grand scheme of things, want the lead back on the Texans moving forward? I mean, yeah, Urban Meyer might quit halfway through the season. That's how bad the Jaguars looked. Philadelphia Eagles, 32. Atlanta Falcons, 6. Another shocker, hey, not necessarily about the, the Eagles. We, we alluded to this, that in that three-game sample of Jalen Hurts being a starter last year, he attempted 38 passes in those contests. The efficiency was just awful. He was completing about 21 of those. Today, 35 attempts, completed 27 of them, three touchdowns as well. Miles Sanders had a great day on the ground, 74 yards. Kenny Gainwell got two touchdowns as well. But Hayden, I think that this shows us, while the Atlanta Falcons defense isn't great, that a middle-of-the-road passing offense for the Eagles should be 
expected and that when we get even more rushing production than just seven carries for 62 yards out of Jalen Hurts gives us that top 12, top 10, top eight ceiling every single week for Jalen Hurts. I'm not ready to say the Eagles are going to have an average off uh, passing offense yet. I think it's going to be Devonta Smith and we'll see what um, if Zach Ertz is going to be missing some time here with his injury, but I, I still think it's just going to be Devonta Smith, maybe a little Dallas Goddard and Jalen Hurts going to have to do this on the ground. We're talking about the Atlanta Falcons defense here too, who were dead last against fantasy quarterbacks. And I think dead last against fantasy wide receivers last year too. So uh, awesome week for Jalen Hurts. Uh, managers, I think that he's going to be a weekly top 10 offense as long as he can uh, hold the job. Shocking that the Falcons weren't able to do anything besides six points offensively. Uh, once again, it just might be the water in Atlanta. They were stopped inside the 10, inside the 20-yard line uh, like they were last year with a different play caller. Arthur Smith wasn't able to inject his magic immediately into there. Mike Davis ran really well early on, was awesome in the first quarter, and then was just kind of taken out of the game. In fact, there was a period where he basically got them inside the 10-yard line and then was obviously exhausted. So Cordero Patterson comes in and gets a lot of those options, and they weren't able to do anything. I mean, again, Hayden, even when you're chasing, we expect the Falcons to be one of these teams that can backdoor production no matter what. But then Calvin really just has 51 yards. Cal Pitts has 31 yards on four receptions. Makes me nervous, not too nervous, because I think it's so congested in terms of just like defined names. But uh, this is certainly not a good first look for Arthur Smith. I have no takes. I've watched zero of this game. Okay. Uh, Minnesota-Cincinnati, real quick. Uh, Bengals win. Good to you, Joe Goodberry, 27-24. to I'll watch it much more closely, but Joe Burrow was very efficient with the ball in terms of getting it out. Wasn't too confused. The offensive line held up well enough. Hayden, the number one takeaway is Joe Mixon getting 29 freaking carries for 127 yards and a score to go along with four receptions for 23 yards as well. He might have a top five fantasy usage at, at running backs. He didn't come off the field very often and he ran more efficient efficiently with the new uh, offensive line coach he had in 2018, his best uh, season then. So I think that Joe Mixon, this was as good of a game as you possibly can have. I do want to note that it seemed like Rashad Breland, the Vikings cornerback who's supposed to start was absolutely getting cooked entire game so that's something to monitor for for the Vikings secondary two more games Miami Dolphins hold on to a win over the New England Patriots um I really want to talk about the Patriots here to start Hayden because they really should have won this game uh Ramondre Stevenson opens the game with a fumble he opens it with a failed blitz pickup um that leads me to tweet great things about Damian Harris who was <laughs> Awesome in the first half with like 90 combined yards. He finishes with 23 carries, 100 yards, and also adds two receptions for 17 yards. And then Hayden, he fumbles away the game. I mean, inside the 10-yard line, they were going to give it to him, allow him to score, and he fumbles it away. This was the fear. But their best moments carrying the ball are with him back there. But who knows what this – but this fumble, this lost opportunity does to his his role moving forward, I would say it doesn't change it too much. I would say it changes nothing at all. They can't put in Ramondre Stevenson. He looked way worse. It's like, wh- yeah. who else are they going to th- throw out there? J.J. Taylor's going to be the, all, all of a sudden the, the Patriots RB1. It's still Damian Harris' season. I would ch- chalk this up as a win still because he got the ball 20 times and had 100 yards. So um, good news for James White. 
I think that Mac Jones looked pretty good from the, the things I saw. This is going to be a very balanced offense. The offensive line is going to be pretty good. And I think that Mac Jones, if you're looking at his accuracy and his footwork and his poise, all that carried over. And I think that's good news for Damian Harris long-term. You don't love the fumble. It was an awful fumble. It looked really bad. Yeah. But uh, this stuff happens. It's the NFL. 25 touches. 25 touches in week one for Damian Harris. That's all we can ask for. Uh, and I agree with you. And guess what, Hayden? We already got one of our kind of spiked weeks out of Nelson Aguilar. Uh Drafting him as wide receiver 50. So that one already paid off as well. Uh, on the Dolphins side, Miles Gaskin looked like the best running back out there. 49 yards on nine carries, add another five receptions, which he was great for, for just 27 yards. Um, Tua, a lot of times, was like very quick with passes. And then Hayden, when he was forced to like hold on to it a bit too long, made some made some mistakes as well. But he, did, he wasn't overwhelmed by this Patriots team. And in fact, the Dolphins were great in their first drive at the first quarter. Great in the first drive in the third quarter, and then basically did nothing after that. So there's a lot to work on there. The offensive line seems like it's going to be a disaster. So that's going to hurt uh, Tua and Miles Gaskin and everybody. Uh, we'll see how they look with Will Fuller back next week. Okay, we'll close it out with an absolute onslaught. The New England Saints put on the Green Bay Packers 38-33. to 33. I don't even know what to say about this one because – Hayden, like prior to last year, I think a reason why Aaron Rodgers was so underdrafted is because like the previous year, he wasn't great. Like we haven't seen Aaron Rodgers be the top quarterback statistically for like the last five years, you know, like talent wise, he's been there. It's been such a weird off season for him. Hayden in this game, 133 yards and 28 attempts and two interceptions. I'm not going to say that there were times that it didn't look like he, he didn't necessarily care. But it was just one that immediately this team was just taken out because of poor mistakes that it got to a point that obviously Jordan Love even came in. It's fascinating to see what the Packers are going to do in in week two, in game two, because if it continues to go poorly, this could really spiral into a weird situation that the Packers have on their hands. I mean, we're talking about a road game against freaking Sean Payton here. Like, my biggest takeaway is don't mess with Sean Payton. Like, let's not forget that we're talking about one of the top five best coaches like the last two decades and and currently in the NFL. And he uh, basically turned around Jameis Winston too. So this is just an opportunity to remind yourself when you're uh, canceling out the the saints, they're going to be right in the mix just because they have Sean Payton. And uh, the the saints defense looked great when they didn't have David Onimata and they didn't have their cornerback too. And they just traded for a new cornerback too. And um, Marshawn Lattimore was playing through an injury. So this is just another, Sean Payton special for, for us to never forget. Alvin Kamara, 20 carries. Tony Jones, 11 carries. That's a name to keep in mind as well. Hayden, it got to a point when Marcus Callaway was being drafted in the top 36 over all wide receivers. I know, like, while Jameis Winston threw for five touchdowns, he only attempted 20 passes, so it can be tough to kind of, like, <laughs> gauge a target. You're not expecting here. a 20% target or touchdown rate this year? But, but Marcus Callaway, two targets – one reception for 14 yards. Again, this is a complete unknown that was then being drafted really, really highly among like incredible names at the wide receiver spot, just based on like two preseason performances. Maybe it gets there, but this wasn't like a, he's the focal point of the passing game type type contest. Uh, I haven't watched this one, but I know he was expected to see a lot of Jair Alexander. And that is not, yep. uh, that, that might be the toughest one-on-one matchup in the NFL. All right. We are done here. We are going to dive into all these games throughout the week. We have another show here at 5.30 Eastern on Tuesday. Can't wait for that. If you're listening on the podcast feed, a rating and review always helps us out. You can take us on the road with you 
Just search the Underdog Football Show on any podcast platform. Personally, I'm going to work on the details of this Sunday show. I know I spent a bit too long in some of the games early on. But again, we only have two sets of eyes. We can watch eight games, two each in those windows, and then fill in the cracks. We're going to have a lot more details throughout the week, and especially during the preview show on Thursday at 530 Eastern as well. As always, if you're still here, be sure to like and subscribe down below. Go and check out Pick'em over on Underdog. Go 20 extra money with a free $25. Use promo code show. That ends actually like on September 15th, I believe, or maybe even the 13th. Tomorrow, my birthday, September Tomorrow. 13th. So go do that now. Go do that now. All right. For Hayden, I am Josh. Up the villa, everyone. Thanks for being here. Talk to you all soon. See ya.